Let me begin by saying God really gave me a prophetic word uh, for some or all of you today. And I, I want to tell you, I want to set it up this way. I was reading in the book of Genesis chapter 17. And God appears to Abraham there as actually Abram. And he changes his name from Abram to Abraham. And he reveals himself in this way. He said, I am God Almighty. I am the God of more than enough. And it's really interesting because at that point, he's changing Abram's name. When he adds that H in there, he's actually adding into it the idea of fatherhood. So he's saying, Abraham, you're going to now be a father of a mighty nation. It's not often in the Old Testament that God is revealed as father. But every time he is, it is with the idea that I am more than enough. And I pondered that for a while, and, and literally, as I was sitting up on the stage getting ready to come up here today, God gave me this word. So if this is for you, receive it. God said this to me, I'm bringing you into a new level of prosperity that can only be attributed to me. I am God Almighty, the God of more than enough. In this new season, you will move into a new phase of more than enough. Amen. So I want, you to, I want you to remember that as we speak today. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 11 on the Lord's Prayer. And remember how that begins, our Father, our Father. And Jesus is bringing us back in Luke 11 with this concept of fatherhood. Now remember, he says to Abraham, I am the almighty God. I am the God of more than enough. You're going to find in life, if you haven't already, that struggles happen, amen? But struggles are necessary to reveal your potential. I was reading an interesting article by a neuroscientist, and he was talking about the importance of struggle and that how our brain literally needs to try and, and solve problems, difficult problems. Even if we don't solve them, the benefit to our brain is amazing. And they did a study of children in Japan in a math classroom versus in America, and they found out that in Japan that, and you know they do pretty good in math, amen? In, in Japan, the students are forced to struggle 44 times more than the American student in math. And they've shown how the, this brings about an activity in your brain that is necessary. We tend to want to take struggle out of the, our life or out of the life of our children. We want to relieve them from pain. We want to relieve them from struggle. We want to make their life super easy. And in so doing, we're actually hurting brain activity. When we struggle, when we go through difficult times, there's a revealing that takes place. For example, if you tell your child you can do anything in life you want, you've just added to the lies you've been telling them all along. They can't. My mother could have told me I was going to be an NBA star. That would have been a lie. I get about a one-inch vertical jump here. The point is that when we, when we say, yes, you're not good at that, but you know what? I see this in you. 
And in the Old Testament, whenever they would name children, they would name them after some characteristic, some revelation of God. So they weren't arbitrary and capricious when they would name a child. It wasn't like they looked in a baby book and said, how well will that go with my last name? All right? They said, what, is, what do I sense God is revealing to me in the life of this child? And then they walk out that in a prophetic manner. Now, you might look at your name and say, I don't like my name, or why did my parents name me that way? But I guarantee you there's something in your name that if you follow it, if you really seek the Lord in it, he will reveal something to you in your name. And that's what we're going to understand about this. There's another thing, that battles are designed by God to thrust you into your destiny. You know, if, if there had never been a Goliath, we would not know about David. You see, Goliath was necessary for David's potential and his destiny. There are things in your life that would not allow you to do what you do today without the struggles you went through in life and revealed your, uh, your true potential. Facing your enemies will enlarge your capacity. Now, no one likes to go through difficult times. If you do, you're strange, amen? But we can all say that when we go through challenging times, when we go through difficult times and we look back, we go, I learned a lot, I grew a lot, I'm better because of it, and then the final thing is, and I don't want to ever do that again, amen? Don't want to ever go through that again. The answer, the answers that you find through struggle are always bigger than the problem. You wake up and you go, wait a minute, I see it now for the first time. I understand it now for the first time. I didn't understand it before, but now I do. You see, when we begin to understand and watch the life of Jesus, that the lifestyle of Jesus increased the hunger and the expectations of the disciples. You know why? Because they watched him and they said to him, teach us to pray. And that's how Luke chapter 11 begins. They didn't ask, teach us how to do miracles. They didn't ask them how to walk on water. They said, Teach us to pray. Do you realize prayer is the most God-centered thing you can do? More so than serving, more so than preaching, more so than anything else in life. When you pray, you totally disconnect yourself from everything that's going to pat you on the back and you thrust yourself into the arms of God. And when you do that, when you do that, you understand this tension. I'm going to talk to you today about the power of tension. Tension. Ever lived in a life of tension? Ever worked in an office with tension? Isn't it miserable? Isn't it, and it's never your fault. Have you ever noticed that? It's never your fault. It's always that other person in that room, all right? But you see, you have to learn how to live with tension. We like to say this around here. You have to learn how to do hard better. You always think easy's coming. No, learn how to do hard better. But I want to give you another uh, another way of looking at that. Hard happens. You get to choose hard. For example, you say, well, I like physical fitness, That's, but I don't like to work out. You have to choose hard. Which hard do you want to choose? Physical fitness or the way you feel when you don't work out? I choose the latter. <laughs> Some of you I know are in the same boat, all right, and we love you. The rest of you, we're going to tolerate, all right, that work out all the time. And there's, you know, always telling me something, Simon, like he's like a machine. You know, he's like, he's got, you know, you take this vitamin with this exact milligram. And I'm going, yeah, I don't think so. I'm just going to go get a pizza. <laughs> all right. But I love him for it. 
That's why he's got nine national titles to his name, and I got zero. Amen? Okay. So anyway, when you think about, when you think about how you live, or you have to choose hard. For example, it's hard to be married at times, but it's hard to be divorced. It's hard to pray, but it's hard to have unanswered prayers. You have to choose which hard you're going to go because hard just exists. Amen? So what hard are you going to choose? It's hard to correct your children and tell them no. But then it's also hard to have children that rebel. And you have to live in this divine tension of always choosing which hard you're going to choose. Amen? So let's look here. Let's look about living in the tension of heaven and earth. All right, Luke chapter 11, verse 2. When you pray, there's a tension already. Are you praying? When you pray, what does your prayer look like? Does it look like a crisis prayer? Does it look like the, you know, the tipping of the hat at, of prayer at, at a meal? What does prayer look like? If you knew that the only way you're going to really get where you want to be in life and get what you need in life was prayer, what would you do? You'd pray more. But we tend to practice self-betrayal. We tend to do the things that aren't best for us because it's convenient or easy. Have you ever said this? I don't know about you, but this year coming up, I'm going to read my Bible. Never thought about it. I could get started early. I got to wait. I, you know, I got a 30-day countdown, countdown to not read it, and I'm going to use every day effectively. But you see, we do that. We, we practice self-betrayal. We do the things that aren't best for us, and we somehow think it's all going to work out in the end. Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven. Imagine just being in that situation, and you're brought to the face of this idea, I am God Almighty. I am the God of more than enough. This is what he's telling us here in this chapter. I am the God of more than enough. A lot of you have been living on just getting by or enough. God wants to be the God of more than enough. And he says, hallowed be thy name. That is, holy is your name. The reason we don't use the Lord's name in vain is because his name is holy, isolated, separated from every other name. So when we use it, we're demeaning his name and we're saying his name is not significant. So he's bringing these disciples back to this understanding that your father is in heaven and he is holy. He's not holier than you. He is the standard of all holiness. He's set apart from all others. Your kingdom come. The idea is the kingdom is here, but it's not all here yet. Think about that. You get a taste and a brush with heaven periodically. You understand something of kingdom power and authority when you see someone healed or someone saved, you get a touch of heaven. God wants us to pray in such a way, say, I want you to pray heaven to earth. Thy kingdom come, look at what it says, thy will be done on earth, where? As it is in heaven. What's happening in heaven right now? God says, I want you to bring that to here. Instead of looking at earth and saying, look what's happening here, say, no, bring heaven to earth. Yes, but we're living in this sinful world, and there's a, yes, there's a tension in this sinful world, isn't there? You get to choose. Are you going to be feared, uh, filled with fear from what's happening in our present age, or are you going to start praying heaven to earth? I wonder how much different the world would be if every believer was praying heaven to earth. If, instead of going like, I don't know what I'm going to do, 
and living in fear. No, we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done here in my earth, in my world, in my sphere of authority as it is in heaven. Luke chapter 11, verse 3. Give us this day our daily bread. He's really trying to take worry out of our life. We worry about the basics sometimes, don't we? We could expand this and said, give us this day our daily bread. We could expand it into, give us enough money to get by today. You see, because Jesus understood what that meant, but remember the context of this in Matthew's gospel is he was led into the wilderness by the Lord to be tempted of the devil. And what what did Satan do? After 40 days of fasting, Jesus says was hungry. He says, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Be dependent on God for every day. Wake up every day, say, God, this is your day. I'm excited about what you're doing. I don't know how it's gonna work out. And all the problems I have, I know they're gonna make me better and I know I won't like them. That's literally the way I look at it. I know they're good for me, I just don't like them. But I know that you're the God behind all of this. Give us this daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. You know why it says, as we forgive everyone who's indebted to us instead of that we forgive other people their sins? Because you can't forgive sin. Only God can forgive sin. Some of the newer translations have forgotten that. See, I have no authority to forgive your sin. You don't have any authority to forgive mine. Only God can forgive sin. We can forgive other, other people their trespasses their, and what they've done wrong, but we're not forgiving sin. That's a God thing. You see, you live, now look what else it says. And it says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You don't deal with, we don't fight against, you know, this, this, this kind of indiscriminate uh, evil force in our world. We fight against Satan himself. And he says, you need to be delivered out of the temptation of the evil one, Satan himself. What would happen if you just prayed this Lord's Prayer every day and mean it? You see, sometimes we, some of us grew up in a tradition where we'd say the Lord's Prayer every, every week, or at least periodically, right? And it kind of reinforced something in us, you know, and, you, and that's why most people can actually say at least part of the Lord's Prayer, because they've lived in that moment. But you see, you gotta live in the divine tension. There's a tension, and it's okay. You say, well, the tension is I, not all my prayers are answered. That's okay. Some of them are. Some of them will be. Some of them will be corrected. Some of them it's yes, but not now. You see, some, you gotta live in that tension. Say, I'm okay with the tension. I don't like it necessarily, but I'm okay with it because I know God is working in it and through it. You see, the divine tension is designed to make you strong. It pushes your faith to new levels. You understand that the heart of the Father through divine tension, the Father who saturates heaven with his presence, brings the same presence upon upon those who walk with him in faith. The divine tension reminds you that God is the holy God. He's holy Why do you think that those heavenly creatures cry holy, holy, holy day and night? Because it seems to be the supreme attribute in heaven. They don't cry power, 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 or love, love, love. They cry holy, holy, holy. You see, divine tension reminds us that we need to repent of our sin. 
I mean, how many times have you gone through a day and said, you know what, I feel really bad about that. I shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have thought that, right? Instead of saying, you know, I'm going to wait until the end of the week and get a good group and then confess them. It's like the Catholic confessional booth. I've always wanted to be a Catholic priest for just that one reason. I think it would be a heck of a good time to sit in that little booth. I know I'd have moments where I'd go, you got to be kidding me. You did that? But the idea of confession, the first question is, how long has it been since your last confession? Well, you know, Father, it's been a while, but a couple of years. Finally got so bad, I showed up. Can I tell you that you cannot understand the power of God with that approach? You have to live daily before him in his presence and his power. You have to confess daily. As, you, as those things occur in your life, confess unto the Lord. And repent means to turn around and go away from that. God calls us to repent and come into his presence. And when we do, the Lord uh, brings us to new levels of strength where we begin to love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. I know when I wrote that down, I, God said, do you? Do you love me with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength? And I said, God, I'm not sure right now, but I want to. See, that's the right heart. I'm not sure right now, God, but I want to. And I'm not sure that I can do that the rest of my life, God, but I think I can do it for the next five minutes. And live your life in short segments of five minutes, if that's what it takes. You see, the divine tension allows you to see the kingdom in the light of the, through the world, you, you begin to see the internal kingdom. You begin to see that tension like this is not the way life's supposed to be. It should be like this. And you pray, heaven on earth. You see, we bring the resources of heaven to earth. We call those things that are not as though they are. That's the divine tension. When we see someone that's sick and we, we pray healing over them, we're saying it's, they're not well right now, but we believe they will be well. People ask me all the time, do you believe that God heals everybody you praise for? No, I don't. But I'm going to tell you this. When God gives me a word, this person's going to be healed every time they've been healed. Not every time God gives me something. I just don't have, I'm not hearing. Other people hear I don't hear it. And that's what's a, the mystery, isn't it? The divine tension, the mystery of prayer and healing and all of this works. And it's all designed to push us into the heart of God. There's a divine tension that occurs in sowing and reaping. You know the promises of God to bless in abundance, but it's only through generosity that you overcome the tension and expand your faith and you open the windows of heaven. There's a sense in which you say, I know generosity is good, but I have to pay this bill. And God says, which is your God, your bill or me? It's a divine tension. It, it, it happens in every person's life. We see divine possibilities in Jesus' name. Can you see that? God, I, I just want to see possibilities in my life. I don't want to ever hit a wall. God is the giver of dreams and visions. He allows the future to be as the present. When others see chaos and confusion, we should see hope and a future. Amen? It's time to push the boundaries and see the hand of God. How many of you want to see the hand of God in your life? Just slip your hand up. Amen. I think that's everyone in the room. If you didn't put your hand up, I know you, you did it on the inside. Amen? All right. Let's talk about pushing the boundaries. Now, it's interesting that Jesus sets up this beautiful Lord's Prayer with this next story. Now, look, look with me in chapter 11, verse 5. Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. 
And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are in bed with me. I cannot rise and give to you. I mean, he's got this wonderful Lord's Prayer thing, and then he tells us a story. This, remember, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So you look in the story and you say, what about this story can I apply to this idea of the Lord's Prayer or, or praying in general? Well, I think as we look at it deeply, we say here that, um, that persistence is something that's going to pay off in the end, isn't it? Because look at the rest of the story. He says, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is a friend, yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as much as he needs. All right, now let's just, the scene. Sometimes when we go over to our daughter's house, and uh, they'll, they'll, we'll see him waving through the glass front window. Don't knock. Don't ring the doorbell. They're corralling dogs. Why? Kids are asleep. You know if you can get kids to sleep, it's like crossing the Red Sea sometimes. Amen? It's like this is a major miracle. Do not mess with my children. Do not wake them up. I'm already running on fumes. I can't take it anymore. Right? So imagine all of a sudden at midnight there's a guy knocking. What's, what's that? Somebody's at the door. Go answer it. No, everybody's asleep. I don't think they're going away. A few expletives here. <laughs> I don't want to get up. They're not going away. They'll go away. They're not going away. I told you we needed a dog. <laughs> they keep knocking, keep knocking. And finally, what does he do? He looks out and he sees it's his friend. I don't care if my, it's my friend. I'm going to kill this guy. <laughs> Two kids are just awake. You've got to be kidding me. Check the ring. Have they left yet? They're still knocking. He's teaching you about prayer. See, sometimes God only hears prayers like this. Oh, I guess it wasn't that important. It's a little better. No, I'm not going to answer that. I look down. God looks down from heaven. He says, oh, that's one of my children. Yeah, I'm not going to answer prayer because it's one of my children because they don't believe in it. They don't believe in what they're asking me for. They have no persistence. They have no steadfastness. This is not important to them. God is waiting for you to do this to heaven. And God goes, I'm not get I guess, I guess this is real. I guess they really do want this answer. When you're convinced the thing is of God, keep praying until the answer comes. What do you want to see God do? What does God need to do in your life for you to be personally, professionally, spiritually, emotionally, financially fulfilled? One or all of those things. What does God need to do? You should know what that is. You should write it down, and you should do this. 
You see, look what it says again. He will not rise and give him because he is his friend. Do you understand this concept in prayer? It's so difficult because God is not saying here, I respond to friendship, desperation, or tears. I respond to persistence. I respond to persistence. You see, desperation will elevate your faith. When you get desperate, your faith goes up. Have you ever noticed that? Well, I've, this has got to happen. I've got to see this take place, God. And the desperation fuels your faith. But the problem is we don't live 24-7 in desperation. That's why you have to, you have to develop a, an ongoing pattern and habit of prayer with persistence. That means you have to have something on the stove all the time. You're always preparing the next meal for the kingdom of God to come in power and great glory. You see, delays are to be expected. Sometimes God answers prayers like that. It's like a drive-through. Sometimes I'll pray and I go, well, that was quick. And then other times it's like going to a bad restaurant with only one waiter. You're going, God, are you, you need more help. And God said, no, I'm growing your faith. That's more important than you getting what you're praying for. You see, you say, well, I thought God wanted me happy. No, God wants you holy. God wants you like him, and if he gives you everything you want, then you'll be the spoiled child like you don't want to be. You get everything you want. It's really good to say no. The whole concept of Christmas gifts is the idea that parents get to say no for 30 days. Right? No, not yet. You don't get it yet. I was that kid that always went in, and, you know, I had the X-Acto knife, and I cut it open. I chucked it out one time. Uh, uh, my, my uncle lived in, in Alaska, and that was really a mysterious place back when I was a kid. And I thought, what could he send from Alaska? I imagine tusks. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, any, everything was just coming to mind. And, and uh, I'd opened mine up, and it wasn't much. And uh, so then I, my mom's really looked interesting. And so I opened it up, and it was chocolate candy made from the berry, wild berries in Alaska. Well, I had it open. I had to test it. So I ate a piece of the candy. It was really good. Next day, I brought my buddy over, Lee Daniels, and we had a couple of pieces. And by the time Christmas came, there was a perfectly wrapped box of empty candies. Now, apparently, my mom knew what I'd been up to because when she picked up that box, she said, oh, I'll just open that later. Well, that was worse because now I've got delayed punishment coming. See, delayed punishment is always worse than punishment. You know, how about this one? When your father gets home, that never was going to be good, right? Because what happens is mom's fueling dad on the process. He probably wouldn't have reacted, but mom's fueling him up. He's all fired up. He knows if he doesn't do something wrong, he's in trouble with the missus. And so he's firing up the, she's firing up the dad. He comes in and says, your mother told me what you did. (laughs) Yeah, what I do? You want to find out if he knows what you did. Because sometimes guys, they don't care. They just want to whip. They don't care. Don't look at me like it's, uh, you don't know what I'm talking about. I, you know what I'm talking about. Persistence, not friendships, moves God. If you leave here with only one truth, it's this one. I must be persistent if I'm going to see the hand of God. If I'm going to see God do something, I have to know what I'm praying for. I have to believe it's so. When it's not so, I have to stick with it as long as I possibly can. 
Look, I love this scripture in Isaiah 65, 24. It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. What an interesting concept. And while they're still speaking, I will hear. You see, God knows everything from the beginning to the end. Before you even pray, he knows. He knows how much time you're going to put in that prayer. Because he knows you from the end, the end from the beginning. He knows everything about you. You just go, they won't stick with it. But I'm still here. If they're praying with faith, I hear it, and I will bring answers if they stick with it. Embrace the promise. You know, God's book is a promise book. Look what it says here in, in uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 9. I say unto you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but it actually spells out the word ask. Right? A and ask, S and seek, K and knock. Ask. And it's interesting that he doesn't say ask. At some places in Scripture, he says, up until now you have not asked anything in my name. Ask that, you might, you, that your uh, prayers might be answered. So sometimes he just tells you to ask. But sometimes he tells you to seek, and then in sometimes, rare occasions, he tells you to knock. You see, asking is the easy thing. God, I just ask you to do something for me today. Yeah, that doesn't mean much to God. Do you ask with intensity, ask with power? You see, here's what I, I begin to believe on this one. He says, ask, knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks, receives something. He who seeks, finds something. And he who knocks, it will be open. That is, the door is wide open. I gotta tell you, I don't know if I've ever told this in church, maybe I have, but when we were first uh, trying to buy this building, and uh, it was actually a miracle of God, you know, many of you know that story, but uh, we had been turned down about 113 times uh, by banks and loan sharks uh, that wouldn't loan us money. And I was just praying, and God gave me this vision of heaven, a big vault in heaven. And I found myself in this vault of heaven, and there were all these notebooks inside this heaven. And there was, there was no money in there. It was just two doors wide open in heaven. And I had this heavenly messenger, this angel, I suppose, that said to me, um, choose a notebook. And I, and I looked and I saw a notebook with the name Influence on it. I said, how interesting is that? I choose this one and I pulled it down and it was all blank pages. There was nothing in it, just completely empty. And I looked at this heavenly creature and I said, it's empty. It's empty now but I want you to walk outside the vault and turn it upside down. And when I walked up and turned upside down, I, I looked down and I just saw gold coins coming to earth. And the angel looked at me and said, I will meet every need that you have. Money will never be a problem for this church. You see, sometimes God gives you unique glimpses into what's doing, going. I went into the vault expecting gold, but all I found was an empty notebook. You see, sometimes you go into prayer and you expect something, but God shows you blank pages, and he says, I'm going to reveal this to you, but I'm going to reveal it in a way and differently than you ever could imagine. Because I am God Almighty, the God of more than enough. Can you say that? I am the God of more than enough. When I read this, I realized there is a process in prayer. And, and Jesus laid out the process here. He, said, he laid it out. He said, ask, seek, knock. 
The pro- each demands a different level of maturity. You can ask, and it's pretty simple. You can seek, and it's a little bit more difficult. But when you begin to knock and you say, I am knocking on heaven's door, it's different. It's different. It sounds different to God. It sounds different to you. It, it brings the Spirit of God and you together into this cooperation in the kingdom of God that you could not expect and you could not understand, but you know when you cross the line from asking to seeking, from seeking to knocking, you know when it's there. And you find yourself in the Spirit, in power, in authority, seeking God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. You begin to see things happen. You realize that he who asks receives. He who who seeks finds. And he who knocks opens up. You see, there's something that happens in our life. And when we make this declaration before God, we say, God, I declare before you, I am seeking I am asking and I am knocking on the doors of heaven. And I know exactly what I'm asking for. You should write it down, put it in your phone, memo it, write it down, find some way to do it. Don't allow yourself to forget the thing that God put you in. I said, if God could do this, that would be amazing. Write it down, write it down. And then make a declaration of your faith. So I'm gonna ask you to stand with me right now. I'm gonna give you a faith declaration. It'll be on the screens for you today. We're going to say this together. If you want to come up front, we're just going to kind of gather in the front here and just, uh, there's something that happens in motion. I I don't know what it is. If you've ever seen Jewish rabbis, when when they're reading the scripture, they do this right here. You know why? Because it actually increases your memory, they found out. When they would memorize the Torah, they would find motion. Spirit of God, he's always moving. There's always motion involved. We'll give you a few minutes to, to gather here at the front. And we're going we're gonna to say this declaration together. We're going to believe God together for something. Amen? God, God wants to do something today. He, he's the I am God Almighty, the God of what? More than enough. Can you say that? More than enough. God is more than enough. More than enough. Let's say this together. I declare that I will live my life by the faith of God. Every mountain will become a highway to his kingdom. Every difficulty, every difficulty will become an opportunity. Every challenge will become a declaration of faith. My faith is activated by the Word of God and empowered by the Spirit of God. Today is a new day of faith. Today, I walk in the fullness of faith. Today, I declare that God is for me and will answer my prayers according to his divine promises. Can you say amen to that? If you receive that, just lift your hand up and say, I receive that in Jesus' name. I receive that in Jesus' name. Now let's sing and give him the glory. Let all heaven hear the praises of those people who will not give up. Let your singing be like your prayers. Persistent worship before the almighty God, giving God the glory on heaven, on earth. 
May his kingdom come in great power. May you see the power of God today in your life.